0: Hello and welcome to episode 216 of section 138. It's been a while since we were all here together recording, but we are back once again, and we've got so much to talk about. Bryson still hasn't given his thoughts on Charlie Montoyo being fired. We got to talk about the Kansas City series. We got to talk about the All-Star break. We got to talk about this series against Boston at Fenway Park where everything went to crap. For the Boston Red Sox and everything is incredible for the Toronto Blue Jays making history left and right Jacob Bryson. How are you guys
1: doing good? So yes to kind of iron out the timeline every last time all three of us recorded Charlie Montoya was employed. The Blue Jays were on a one in six road trip Jacob was texting us and saying on the podcast that the Jays wouldn't make the playoffs and sit and then after that still haven't recorded since the Blue Jays turned things around, a great road trip in Boston, um, now the first team in the AL wildcard race, so pretty crazy and pretty funny how the mood could change in terms of just backlash, and I guess just what the fans think in general over the course of the past week, but that's what, that's what makes baseball so great, because of how quickly things have changed, so yes, a lot has happened, and now we're talking about... A solid sweep at Fenway Park and probably in front of one of the worst defenses I think we've seen all series with the way the Red Sox played defensively. It was just a complete nightmare of how they were playing defensively.
2: Well, I'll tell you what, if, if this team needed a boost, it came at the right time. And Mark and I, we talked about this, maybe the changing of the managers, what's going to cause that changing in performance. But I'll tell you what, I'm not going to get into that. All I will say is I'm happy this team is winning. And they went from on the outskirts looking in on a playoff spot to they're right back in it and they're right they're leading that playoff race and it's looking like it's going to be a lot better of of a summer I guess and now I think they have the Cardinals who are going to be missing some key players like they have a a relatively easy schedule over the next couple weeks a lot of teams that aren't very good so things are looking up I I think we we couldn't say that a couple weeks ago but all it took was a manager being fired in an all-star break for things to really turn things around
0: Jacob, you said you wouldn't get into the Charlie Montoyo stuff, but let's get into the Charlie Montoyo stuff because Bryson has still not given his thoughts, and Jacob and I, we haven't had a chance to kind of reassess our thoughts on the whole Charlie Montoyo fiasco since it happened, since, you know, when we recorded an hour after the news broke. So um, quickly, before we get to everything that went on in Boston, um, Bryson, what do you think of the firing? Was it the right decision from Ross Atkins from Mark Shapiro? and obviously you have the benefit of hindsight being 2020.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a lot easier now to kind of have everything digested and it's, you know, also we've seen the way I guess a glimpse of how John Schneider's been managing, maybe a little a little couple of changes here and there but I think first of all the most noticeable change is obviously the lineup order another thing is you see I guess just the aggressiveness from the the offense and of course the aggressiveness while I guess just on the bases in general so just a couple things that I've noticed um, in terms of a change but going back to the firing I'm not going to get into it too much because I'm sure I have a lot of people have pretty much heard from a lot of people in terms of their opinions you guys as well we kind of all we're in the same ballpark about initial reactions, but I just think it comes down to, once again, the idea that one of us mentioned the last time all three of us recorded, and that was because of how bad things were going during that time, during that West Coast road trip, would Charlie Montoyo possibly be that guy in terms of a scapegoat? It's very simple in terms of all sports. The first guy, the easiest guy that you can go after in terms of making a scapegoat is your coach slash manager. I think that's exactly what we saw. I was not surprised by it, but again, for I'll go back to what I said that last time all three of us recorded, and that was I didn't agree with it at the time either. So pretty much from a fan's perspective, we don't know what happened behind closed doors. We don't know if the players liked Charlie Montoyo as much as they did. We don't know. The only thing that we do know is that there were a couple of people talking afterwards. I'm sure you guys heard what Bo Bichette said. I'm sure you guys also saw um what that unknown Blue Jays veteran said in terms of I'm not surprised by it. So I mean there's not a lot of veterans on the team. So I think it's single handedly you can kind of assume who said that. But anyways, all I'm saying is the and Ross Stripling also spoke about it. So John Schneider is probably closer to these players more than Charlie Montoya was. I think that's very safe to assume. He was manager of the Double A Fisher Cats the year they won that title as well in twenty eighteen, I believe it was, with all that young core he's very close to the players that is probably going to be or used to his advantage if it hasn't already because of the relationship that he's established and the other thing too when you look at it from i guess the John Schneider perspective is that even if he wasn't um, or if Charlie Montoya was still the manager this year for the rest of the year it's a pretty there was a pretty good indication that at some point within the next year or the next couple of years John Schneider was likely going to be a manager somewhere else. I know that he was already getting consideration throughout the last couple of years. I'm not sure if he was interviewed at all, but his name was starting to circle, or I just through baseball in general in terms of his, the interest level for him and that he is an up-and-coming manager. So he gets his shot. If all goes well with him, it's obviously a slam dunk that he'll be here long term. And from what I've noticed from him now, shifting more towards him, is I really like the connection that, has been established with the team I think Ross I'm sorry Ross Stripling was somebody who said you know John Schneider was more of an outgoing person an outgoing leader to the players in the clubhouse so I think obviously that could be used to, to their advantage as well but it was a he both players or sorry both guys in terms of Charlie Montoya and John Schneider I think they're both fantastic people and if last thing on Charlie Montoya too we can't forget what the just I guess the era of the last couple of years of what it has meant for the Blue Jays in particular. He became or he came on this job in 2018. Throughout the rebuild, he was here throughout the pandemic years. Pretty much the guy, I think, the right guy for the job at the time. I don't want to have any shame towards Charlie Montoyo because I don't think that's fair. I think he does need to be recognized for I guess the good work that he did put in. And um, I think just at the end of the day, a change or they believe the blue jays believe that a change was needed of course slash a scapegoat and here we are and now we've kind of turned the page on that we've seen john schneider throughout the last week or two and we're probably going to see more of it as well throughout the next couple of weeks in terms of that transition phase cuz i still don't think we're at, we've completely done that just yet we're definitely seeing glimpses of it though
0: yeah i think that is the right way to look at it i know when the news first broke i was very critical of it and i still don't agree with the decision to fire charlie montoyo but i think in retrospect now that we have the insight that we've heard and can kind of piece together a more i guess fair assessment of what's going on in the clubhouse it really did sound like at least to me from the outside looking in that he didn't lose the clubhouse but it was time for a different voice a different leadership style and his leadership style of you know pulling one guy aside and having private meetings in the office and not really being one to confront players about things that aren't going correctly. Um, That wasn't what the Blue Jays needed, and John Schneider could give the Blue Jays a little bit more of a kick in the butt. So I still disagree with the decision from the outside looking in. I think the Blue Jays should have endeavored to make better moves before firing the manager, improve the bullpen, improve the starting rotation, get that left-handed bat we've wanted for so long before you fire the manager. Because it's we've said this before, it's not the manager that cut the hole in Vladdy's glove. It's not the manager that told Tim Meza to airmail that ball back in that series in Seattle. Like Charlie Montoyo did none of that. Improve the roster before you blame it on Montoyo. Um, And the biggest thing that I had issue with since we last discussed this all was when Ross Adkins came out in his press conference after the firing and said basically, I'm the one who's responsible for these problems. The buck stops here, and yet I'm firing Charlie Montoyo because he's the problem. So it just seemed like there was a disconnect there. I know what he's saying probably doesn't match up with the actual rationale for the Blue Jays firing him, but I disagree with that, and I thought that was a really dumb thing to say from Ross Atkins. But Jacob, a couple weeks on from Charlie Montoyo being fired, how do you reassess your opinion Um, do you take back what you said when we first discussed it or do you stand by what you said
2: then? So when the firing happened we were kind of under the assumption that this was because the team was not playing well and if that's the reason I don't take it back. However, we have now learned that that's not necessarily the case. It seems that that it was more of what was actually going on in the locker room, in the clubhouse, with the players and the fact that pretty much no player that was interviewed at least seemed upset by this proves that maybe this was the right move from a from a clubhouse perspective I'm not saying that and I'm pretty sure we both said this in our live stream when we talked about it just because the team plays well afterwards or if the team were to play well afterwards with a new manager it's not because of the new manager it's more of just causation or correlation rather than causation but I have to say if if the rationale is truly what we've learned that it kind of is more and and, and that's not that the players are just not playing well and we're going to try and change the manager because that's easier than going out and getting a new player fair enough but if it actually is that there were some legitimate issues within the clubhouse then perhaps that is the right move and it is interesting you know you're hearing a lot of key players say that yeah I'm not surprised by this where Normally, they'd say, oh, I'm, I'm not going to comment, or they'd say, I'm surprised by this. What we heard is that, yeah, no, this was a move that people expected t- to happen, or at least, even if they didn't expect it, they're not surprised by it, and that's why I'm saying I'm I- I'm 50-50 on this, because you easily could go and keep Montoya team could rebound, they could obviously still do what they're doing right now, even with John Schneider, but at the same time if the change does actually end up being what the team needed and what the players wanted but wouldn't actually say, then it's something that you at least have to entertain. So obviously with the team playing well, I can I can say that I'm not fully against it, but if I was Ross Atkins, if I was in this situation, I would not have fired Charlie Montoya when I did. It would have been If the team continued to play bad, maybe now or in the next week or two, then I would entertain firing him, but only after you give the team a little bit more of a chance, you add to this team, and then you say, okay, the team's clearly not working with what we have here, now let's go for the manager, but I'll tell you what, team's playing well right now, I think the mood definitely seems better, if that makes any sense, like the team, like they're obviously, when you have a football game type performance with your offense in the first game against the Red Sox, it's gonna look good, but they seem all all energetic, all happy, so I'll, I'll say that we'll kind of ride the hot hand of having John Schneider, but it's such a tough situation because I don't fully agree with firing your manager, but I also, given the circumstances, don't think that it wasn't at least a considerable uh, move that they should have made. So it sounds
0: like we're all kind of on the same page of disagreeing very much so with it initially and now... Coming to understand it a little bit more, but still having some of our own reservations. But yeah, I mean it's hard to sit here and say it was a dumb decision when the Blue Jays just had the fifth best offensive game in baseball history. You can't really sit here and say John Schneider's doing a bad job. Um, so let's talk about what happened in Boston. I I mean you can't really put into words what the Blue Jays did in their first game back from the All-Star break. A 28-5 win. The accomplishments, the history-making parts of that game have been repeated over and over, but the fifth most runs ever scored in a single game in Major League Baseball history. The most runs the Blue Jays have ever scored in a game. The most hits they've ever had. The most runs that the Boston Red Sox have ever ever given up. And my favorite stat of all this... The Boston Red Sox, you combine their last two games of the first half, first game back on Friday night, the worst three-game run differential in modern baseball history. You have to go back, I think it was 1894 for the last time that a team has had a run differential that bad. And that is not just including major leagues now. Well, major leagues including the umbrella of the Negro Leagues. Um, There's a whole lot of games that that covers, and the Red Sox had – potentially what you could call the worst three-game stretch in Major League Baseball history. Um, that alone makes me very happy, but the fact that the Blue Jays did something that we've never seen before, and then they followed it up with a couple good wins. They sweep the Boston Red Sox. Bryson, you mentioned their position in the wild card standings. Things are going well for them now. What are your guys' thoughts from this series as we dig into everything that went on? Because there's a lot to talk about.
2: So I think the biggest thing to take away from this is that Going into the All-Star break, you take three or four from the Royals, you fire your manager, but you need a big, big second half. And with three teams getting into the playoffs, I know I said that I expected this team, or I had a very bold take of saying this team's not making the playoffs. What I meant by that is if things do not change, this team is not making the playoffs. But when I say change, I mean... Stop if they, it. if No, but if it doesn't change or if it continues the same or if it doesn't get a lot better fair to say that this team's not making the playoffs, and a sweeping the Red Sox is great, but it's going to need to continue this way, I think, for them to do it, but anyways, with three teams, basically, that, are three teams that get in from the wild cards perspective, you can safely, to some extent, expect this team to make the playoffs, despite what I said, but the thing is, is you are fighting for home field advantage for the entire series, and you need a huge second half out of this team, and I think it's fair to say that they started with that, and I mean, I don't think that we'll ever see 20. What was it? 28 runs in a game from the Blue Jays ever again. At least not for a long, long time. But this was a good, good series. And you're seeing guys that aren't necessarily critical to their success still coming in clutch. Like you look at at Ray Tapia with two bases clearing at bats, and one of them was an in, inside the park grand slam. You see Kevin Biggio today driving in a couple of runs. The whole lineup is looking like it's producing. And even Lourdes Gurriel Jr. with those six hits. Like we're seeing a good team perform at its best. Jordan Romano comes out with a four out save. Kevin Gosman and Ross Stripling, you know, they're having good outings. Like this team is looking like what I think it's expected to when all three aspects of the team are playing well, even four if you want to consider defense. Like the defense did look pretty good this series too. And I think that's the biggest thing that we need to remember here is you're on the road to start the second half of the season. You're playing a division rival These are what I would consider to call maybe a statement game or statement series where you come in and if you're down and you end up losing this game or if you're you're the Red Sox really you then this is how you start your series at your second half of your season series against an AL East opponent. This is not a good look for you. You know, whereas the Blue Jays, they come in and they have the opportunity to take over and really set the pace for what this second half of the season is going to be. And they started off extremely well. Like, to sweep a division rival in their home ballpark, you can't ask for really anything better than that. And it's... To me, what I can say is there's two things we can look at. One, the Blue Jays were very good in this series. Strong pitching. Defense was great. Bullpen rotation was great. Offense was good. But it also, even when it wasn't as good, it still got the job done. But the Red Sox were also terrible in this series. So you obviously can't expect that all the time, but if you're able to compete with a team this good and you know, eight to four win, I'll take that in the third, in the series finale, I'll take that as more of a realistic approach to how you're going to play the Red Sox or really the second two games. The first game was an, an anomaly, but if you're able to win games like this against a division rival, you're able to get leads, build on it to some extent and hold those leads. You're looking like you're in a very, very good situation. And then What I think is going to get interesting is where do things go from here? Now you you go home, you host the Cardinals for two games. They're going to be missing two key players, and I I did mention that earlier. But then you play the Tigers, then after that you're going to see the Rays. So it's going to be an interesting next couple of weeks. What you saw against the Red Sox was good. It's very promising, but I want to see if this is the true Blue Jays. Is, Is this truly how they're going to lead into the trade deadline? And then is this how they're going to finish the season? Obviously, there's going to be bumps in the road, but if you're able to do what you did against the Red Sox and get dominant performances out of all three of your starters, Stripling may be a little bit less dominant, but again, got the job done, and that's the key thing. You're able to do that, get hits from your key contributors, and then other guys that aren't necessarily key contributors add on to that. Your bullpen's fantastic. That's really what we're looking for here, and is if the team can continue, then I think this is just a sign of things to come. and. Maybe, uh, maybe I will end up eating my words about not expecting this team to make the playoffs. Because basically what I said is, and I said this earlier, the team needs to do a complete 180 if they wanted to make the playoffs. And to start the second half this way, it's to me, it's very promising.
1: It is. And just to think about it, you went from expecting the Jays to be in the World Series to them not making the playoffs to hopefully you eating your words. So. It has been a roller coaster. <laughs> as yes, it's been a roller coaster. But honestly, that's been the case for everybody uh, over the past couple weeks. Because I think the All Star break, as much as the Jays were playing good heading into those final games throughout the All Star break, they still were one of the teams that I thought needed the All Star break. Of course, we spoke about it earlier. They had a managerial change, just all around. Regardless of how good they played before that, I think they needed a couple days to reset, and I hope that it really did help them. Um, They come out of this, I mean, really, when you want to look at it from the offensive way, there's really not much nitpicking you can do with the offense. I mean, 40 runs in three days is ridiculous, and I believe that was also a franchise record for the stretch of those three games. So you had that going. You had broadcasters predicting everything. Dan Shulman, I believe, hinted at an inside-the-park grand slam, which is insane and then you had pat tabler today on the sunday game predicting the the top a double or a triple in the gap right before literally right before the pitch was thrown so you had that going on um the boston red sox first of all i well the other thing is that the blue jays really play the red sox well no matter what the situation is but in this case uh the red sox are pretty much i think just two games above 500 now they are in a really difficult spot and this was a really bad showing for them this weekend the defense they were playing like i'm no idea how they played this bad over the uh this weekend so I just think offensively it was pretty much a perfect assessment um like you look at the box scores throughout pretty much throughout the last three games and everybody was involved everyone was doing their own thing especially on the Friday night obviously um you know you had Kevin Gosman go out not the greatest or sharpest outing from him but in terms of the starting pitching I think it's fair to say that it did its job, and of course, in the Saturday game with Alec Manoa, a very bizarre start to his outing after he kind of spiked the ball in one of his pitchers, and then he looked like he was in a little bit of discomfort, but after, I guess, a couple of shaky innings early on, he settled down, he was getting into it with Bobby Dahlbach, and of course, other guys in the Red Sox dugout, pretty much shutting them up after striking them out, which was really, you know, it was definitely, I enjoyed watching that, as much as people Maybe wanted him to be a little bit more humble. I really like how he was letting his emotion out on the Red Sox. And Mark, especially you, because I know you hate the Red Sox probably more than Jacob and I combined. Um, You probably love watching that as well. So this series just, it's something that I think the Jays obviously needed. And I also think it's something that the fans needed. Because everything, again, I'll say it one more time, kind of is just completely flipped in terms of what we saw from last week. And then what you're seeing now after the All-Star break, I really think that this All-Star break was something that was good for them. And they come out of the gate, they know pr- basically how the season has gone for them. A team with high expectations, unfortunately, haven't put it together at a consistent rate this season. Sometimes the pitching's good when the hitting's bad, sometimes it's the other way around. It has never really clicked at the same time, so... They need to get on a run. Uh, the, they were never out of a playoff contention whatsoever, no matter how bad they were playing. When Charlie Montoya was fired, they were still in a playoff spot. So that's pretty crazy when you think about it, too. In terms of, I guess, just everyone losing their mind over the last couple of weeks, is that the Jays were never out of a playoff spot. They were still in a playoff spot. Now they are in a really, or they're in a much better position. Obviously, you passed the Tampa Bay race today, and I know. Or when you look at the Seattle Mariners, because they're a team chasing the Jays, now they are by a couple of games. I know that they do have the head-to-head record, but essentially you also, in a way, make up for that sweep last week in Seattle because of uh, the Astros who swept the Mariners this past weekend. So you make up games back from that series, you pass the Red Sox, you distance, obviously, the Red Sox a little bit from yourself. You pass the Tampa Bay Rays, you have a good opportunity this week to continue to win series against the Cardinals without a couple of their best players, and of course the Detroit Tigers next weekend. You're in a really good spot before you got to head back to Tampa Bay like Jacob was talking about with the schedule. they got to obviously keep everything at a consistent rate. I know we're not expecting them to score 28 runs a game, but this team has the ability to get it together. And we are, at this point, we have seen the best from them, or I should say we've seen the high point from them, we've seen rock bottom for them in a way, especially for their standards, but we need to see them at a high point consistently, and I think that's the one thing we're all waiting for, because I guess we've all, were victims of this mistake back in April, you know, there was people talking about this team winning 100 games back in April, and then they go through this cold streak, are the Jays really as good as we thought they were? And you kind of have to be careful now with this team, with all the predictions you say, and I'm talking about you, Jacob, with your playoff prediction, is that it is just a roller coaster of a ride this season from them. You just don't know if they're going to play like this uh, throughout the next week or things can change. So that's why this time around, I'm going to be a little bit more careful about me being, you know, fully sold on them playing to their capabilities. But definitely, as you said, a Jacob, that it off, it was definitely a good series, uh, pretty much a perfect series. It's a series that they needed. I'm glad the fans have a kind of a period now to calm down a bit. One more week until the trade deadline. We know that reinforcements are still on their way. And the Jays have a homestand coming up. And of course, on top of that, my highlight for Tuesday night, and it's going to be pretty much everyone else's highlight, is you have the return of Buck Martinez. I think that's going to be a really special moment on Tuesday night. So right now, things are really looking good for this team. And I hope at the end of the series, or I should say at the end of the week, we keep the good vibes going because we haven't really done that consistently this year.
0: Yeah, the Buck Martinez stuff is something that I think got lost in all the madness of Friday night, but Buck Martinez is coming back. He's going to be in the booth on Tuesday, and um, it's going to be awesome, for sure. It's going to be something that all of us are celebrating. Not sure there's going to be a dry eye in the building when that happens, because it's going to be awesome to see him back in the booth. Um, Bryson, you mentioned how... I guess we've learned from the past 10 days to um, read less into the trends of the Blue Jays. Um, and I think that's something that's an important lesson overall for baseball. Baseball is 162 games. You win some, you lose some, you're going to go through terrible stretches. You're going to go through amazing stretches. And I think what we are learning and what a lot of people are learning this season is that you, when people are overreacting, you should be mellow. When people are... Saying that this team is terrible, you should be mellow when people are saying this team is the best team ever. You should be mellow because odds are it's an overreaction and if you stay right in the middle, you're going to be right. And I mean, you just go back... 10 days can change the perception of a season. You go back to prior to that mess of a road trip in Oakland and Seattle and all that stuff. You go back before that, people thought the Blue Jays were doing great. They had success. So good vibes were flowing in Canada Day, winning against the Rays and winning a series against the Red Sox and having that walk-off, et cetera, et cetera. And then they go into that road trip. Everything falls apart. Their playoff odds drop by 40%, according to baseball reference. Um, And then over the next week, week and a half – we get back to where we are right now, where the Blue Jays, according to baseball reference, has have a 83% chance of making the playoffs. And that's increased by about 20% over the last week. So what we are learning from this is that 10 days can dramatically change the perception of a season. And um, you need to be mellow. You need to stay right in the middle because you cannot read too much into what's going on. Um, Bryson, you said I'm probably the happiest out of this series just because it was against the Red Sox. Yeah, it was awesome to see them collapse in that way. And I think you know, I'm not going out on a limb when I say this, but that's some of the worst baseball I've ever seen played. Ever. Full stop. And I played one, two seasons of baseball, one fall ball, one spring ball, and was terrible. And I think that's worse than I've played. Um, <laughs> I just I mean, it was ridiculous. It, it, Everything that could go wrong for the Red Sox, went wrong for the Red Sox. It was play after play after play to the point where I saw guys hitting easy ground balls in the infield, and my mind instantly went to, oh, well, that's an easy hit because it's a Red Sox. And it just happened that way. You have pitchers missing first base entirely. You have Jeter Downs making what felt like a million (laughs) million errors over a third base. You have... Jared Duran in center field putting on a clinic of what not to do. Um, It was ridiculous. It's some of the worst baseball I've ever seen played. And uh, it gives me uh, probably more pleasure than it should to watch the Red Sox collapse in that way. And it really makes you wonder what is next for them. I know this is a Blue Jay podcast, but because the Red Sox fate is very entwined with what the Blue Jays fate is, you wonder if the Red Sox are going to be selling You wonder if they're going to be as aggressive at the trade deadline after what they just went through. I mean, it's really an open question as to the future of their season. And um, you think how much things change over 10 days, just to get back to that original point. The Blue Jays could have been in this position. They were very close to being in this position 10 days or two weeks ago. And things have changed a lot, and we're lucky to be watching a team that is not as bad as the Red Sox are right now.
2: Yeah, for them, it's getting a little little interesting. And I think we saw Xander Bogart say, if this team is going to sell, he's he's not sticking around for the long haul. And we're kind of getting to that point. Like, we are now July 24, 25, depending on when you're listening to this. We are at that point now where trade deadline's in nine or eight days, depending on when you listen to this. This team, whether it's the Blue Jays, whether it's the Red Sox, really any team that's on the cusp of playoffs and contention, they need to prove what they're strengths are they need to prove what their weaknesses are and you need to convince your owners that you should bet on this team you should buy you should add or is this season a lost cause and for the Blue Jays I think they prove I'm, to be fair I don't think Ross Atkins would sell at all like who, who are you who are you going to sell like you're not going to trade Bo Bichette who has like five more years or whatever left on his deal, or four years trading for Juan Soto well, though no you, yeah, no, you no, you no, you no you won't no you won't, no, you, won't. <laughs> you, you will not do that okay pick any other player Basically, what I mean is the Blue Jays are not going to sell. Even if they are t- playing like very ba- playing terribly, they're not going to sell. But right now, if you're Ross Atkins, you've seen that this team ca- is clicking on all cylinders. You're maybe one more piece away from building uh, another juggernaut, that or at least the juggernaut that you expected you had. And I- I'm not saying that guy's name. I'm not saying it. I don't think it's likely. But if you're the Red Sox at this point, it's... It, it it's looking interesting. Like you're you're now at that point where you don't really like. Yeah, there's a third team that can make the playoffs, but it's probably not looking good. If you're if you're not even able to do this, you've lost like what nine of your last ten. You're pretty much out of contention at this point. And yes, you're it's still a very tight race, but these last week weeks week and a half at this point are going to be very telling of who contends who doesn't contend and really you look at this time last year the the Blue Jays were kind of at the the opposite situation or were completely not where they expected to be and then they had that amazing run when they came back to Toronto Red Sox easily could do that and I don't really want to talk about the Red Sox too much more but basically they're a bit of a dumpster fire and they're going to need to turn things around if they want to not sell and not lose all their key players but if you're the Blue Jays I think this is coming at the the best time you to play this well because you now have two and a half months really left of the season a little bit less than that two months of post trade deadline baseball you if you're able to click this well you're able to give yourself that leeway room of you now have a bit of room you have i think they have a two game lead over that over the the top wild card spot if you're able to at least lock in a spot and then work on home field advantage then you're looking to be a very very strong team and at this point going into the deadline I think it's it's fair to say that they still do need to make acquisitions most likely going to just be bullpen unless you want to go out and get a starter but I really do doubt that but it is it is I think perfect timing and when it comes to trades I know we're we've always talked about it but I don't think that Juan Soto is going to be a blue jay I'm just going to get that out before we talk about it maybe it's premature. I highly, highly, highly doubt any trade that we discussed earlier in the season is even considerable for the Blue Jays right now, considering who was part of those deals. I don't think you're trading Kirk. I don't think you're trading Gurriel. I think it's considered, but I don't think it's likely. But it is it is a very interesting thing now, and now knowing that you're, you're right back in that wildcard race. Are you going to go and just add a little bit, or are you going to full-out buy if you really can
1: yeah it is kind of I guess just starting with the Red Sox for a bit It definitely the thing with them as much as they had a really I think throughout before the All-Star break, obviously they were on a decent run when they got back to 500 because they had a really bad start to the season um, there's already contract talks or issues again with both somebody like Xander Bogarts Raphael Devers is another one who kind of uncertain with the future so you know I don't know uh, in terms of their playoff hopes or being sellers, but Jeff Passon definitely dropped a tweet today hinting at it is a possibility. So you wonder where they are at their phase right now, if they're right at the end of a window that unfortunately, well, they did get a World Series out of it over the last couple of years, but just maybe at the end of a possible window before they maybe go into a different era in terms of selling a bit. I don't know what they decide to do. They are literally at 500 right now, so it could go either way. Kind of, It feels like, uh, in terms of a comparison, uh, as much as things can obviously turn around for them very fast, up to this point, it feels like, really, the Blue Jay season from 2017 that they're going through right now, in terms of just being disappointing, in terms of at the end of a run, expecting to still compete. Obviously, they brought in Trevor Story this year for long term, so you have that. Probably already bracing for the departure of Xander Bogarts bringing in Story because he can obviously play shortstop uh, when Bogarts isn't in the lineup. So they're, might, they're kind of at a interesting phase between, I guess, just that two pathways that maybe they don't even know what they want to cross yet. So with them with uh, throughout the next week, I wouldn't be shocked no matter what direction they went in. I definitely think that selling it is definitely a realistic option on that. I believe they are basically right now in line with the Baltimore Orioles and the AL East who— is another team who has actually gained ground in the wild card race. So you have to give them their respect for that. They have a, um, a lot of good or young prospects up the way. We obviously in Richmond is already up there right now making waves. So they're in a competitive phase, kind of at the nearing the end of their rebuild, so, or at least still in it, but in a promising position right now. So you kind of have two teams like that that are, I guess, just going in opposite ways. Because being a Red Sox fan right now this past weekend, Mark, you said it, probably one of the worst defenses that we've seen over the span of three games because it was just worse every single game. It didn't get better for them. And I think that's why it's just kind of funny to think about that they actually were able to be that bad consistently for three days. So we'll see what happens with that. But in terms of them and their future, it's going to be an interesting one. We're obviously not complaining. We kind of love chaos in terms of that. So if they decide to sell, it'll definitely be, I guess, an interesting phase for Red Sox fans from that. So... Just a disappointing series for them all around. And again, the Jays kind of separated them from the Red Sox throughout this past couple of days. But of course, things can obviously change. They can definitely go on another uh, run because that's what they were doing, I guess, I would say maybe over the past month before obviously this series happened. So they're at a weird phase right now and we'll see what happens with them in the future. But for the Jays, uh, Jacob, you mentioned it. uh, Kind of the key name that may or may not be moved next week with Juan Soto. We'll see. I think... In terms of that, every team's probably calling the Washington Nationals about that, and um, if you're the Blue Jays, I don't see how you don't entertain it, regardless if you like that or not. It's Juan Soto, and we've already, I think, had a couple, I guess, segments about him already this year, early on in the year when we saw the initial report that the Jays were interested in. This was a few months ago now, so we'll see what happens with that one as well, but we're getting closer to the trade deadline, and we know that the market is starting, as much as we still haven't really seen it amp up yet. We are kind of getting now to that point where it will begin to. I know um, Andrew Benatendi's name's been thrown around a lot. Of course, his vaccination status is something that has been, uh, or we know the vaccination status, but it's been very tricky in terms of AL East interest because obviously the AL East teams have to come to Toronto a lot. But it seems like as of yesterday or the day before, the Yankees are kind of taking a serious run at him for that. So... We'll see what happens with that as well, and um, it's just something that the Jays obviously also have to consider when you're trading for guys or you're looking in the market for guys. For example, like the Andrew Benatendi situation, because you need him to play, and not everyone is obviously vaccinated because we saw um, what happened during the Kansas City Royals series with them missing their key guys, and of course we see what's going on with the Cardinals tomorrow missing their two top players, and um, that's kind of a disadvantage as much as people want to call it in advantage for the Jays, we know we know this already, though, but it's something that they obviously have to keep in the back of their mind as well when they're looking at possibly acquiring guys.
0: Yeah, I find it interesting that we really haven't seen the trade market heat up at all. I think the probably the biggest trade we've seen so far is Daniel Vogelbach going to the Mets from the Pirates. And that was, if I remember correctly, just a one-for-one, one, I think. I think it was just Vogelbach for a Mets prospect, it's like the market has been extremely slow. And I think that surprised me a lot because you go back a week or two and all the problems that the Blue Jays were having is the exact same problems that teams around baseball were having with relief arms and starting rotation issues and that sort of thing. So I'm really surprised that we haven't seen um, a lot of action and a lot of hot market rumors and that sort of thing going on across baseball, but especially with the Blue Jays, um, because we know they are looking to improve and they will add someone by the deadline at a big piece. I'm confident of that, whether it's Juan Soto big or not, I still think they're going to make a big move and I'm surprised they haven't done it so far. But um, on Juan Soto, like, yeah, odds are it doesn't happen with the Blue Jays. I, I mean, that's just the luck of the draw. There's... Like you say, Bryson, every single team, 29 teams are going to be calling the Nationals and asking about him. Um, Obviously, most of those teams aren't seriously in contention. But you can probably fairly say 10 or 15 teams are in serious contention for Juan Soto. So if you just play the odds, odds are the Jays aren't going to get him. But you look at their situation right now, everything they need, everything they have, everything they don't have he kind of fits in really nicely and they have guys at the major league level that it sounds like they would be willing to move for a guy like Juan Soto. Um, The natural option is a catcher. They're not going to trade Alejandro Kirk right now. I really don't see them trading Danny Jansen right now. So this goes back to their conversation that we've had earlier, but It seems like Gabriel Marino is the guy to go, and maybe he's the centerpiece of that package. They also probably want someone who's in the majors. So whether that's Lourdes Goriel Jr. or Teoscar Hernandez, I think those are the two most likely guys. Maybe it's Beau Bichette, but I don't see that happening. I know it's a possibility that a lot of people are talking about. I don't see it happening. So you start to see the potential package come into shape. Gabriel Marino, Teoscar Hernandez, let's call it, And then maybe three or four top prospects. I think is probably what it takes to get Juan Soto. And if that's a deal, I'll do it. I'll take it. Um, The Blue Jays don't need all their catchers. They don't need all their outfielders. Juan Soto would go in the outfield anyways. So that solves that problem. And prospects are a dime a dozen. You don't know what they're going to become. It's a lottery ticket. And I would much rather take the winning lottery ticket for an increased price than keeping three or four guys that have an off chance of becoming a top player. But, you know, what are the odds they're going to be the next Juan Soto, who was the next Ted Williams? Incredibly slim. So, um, yeah, that's what I'll say on that. I really don't see the trade happening just because of the odds involved and the fact that there's so many teams involved and teams that are probably more willing to spend a lot on Juan Soto. But boy, it would be a lot of fun. And, if the package is anything like we anticipate it being, i will do it in a heartbeat.
2: I don't. Here's the thing. What's your problem with that, though? No, no, it's no, okay. So you actually convinced me a little bit. If it's Kirk, okay. I'm saying no, no, no. You, you can you can stay in Washington, respectfully. I'm at least not staying in Washington, but I I don't want to trade Alejandro Kirk. At least not right now. I'm willing to give up one of Gurriel or Hernandez. I'll throw in Moreno and you guys probably could see in our chat I'm spitting out random trades but I will throw in Moreno and then one of Gurriel or Hernandez. I mean it makes sense like you said he's an outfielder or what the, both of them are outfielders. I don't know. I it part of me thinks obviously you go and get one of the best players in baseball if you can. But at the other side of things I'm thinking how much of a marginal improvement would this be? Like, if you go out and say you go get a... Okay, a... marginal. Okay. We're talking... Sorry, no, no, no. For context, what I mean here... like,
0: think about how good Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is. Multiply that by two, and that is quite literally Juan Soto. Juan Soto has been twice as good as Vladdy over the course of his Major League career so far. That is the type of player we're talking about. It's not marginal improvement.
2: No, no, no. What I mean is, how much of an improvement would a outfielder no matter how good that outfielder is how how much of an improvement would that make over going and getting a pitcher like whether it's a starter or i don't know if it's a reliever okay, obviously but, the outfielder would be sorry more... to keep interrupting but <laughs> yeah. okay, if the Blue Jays are, if the blue jays
0: are willing to move enough like prospect capital and player capital to acquire juan soto they're not going to be afraid of shipping off a b-level prospect for a reliever whose contract is up at the end of the year
2: Okay, yeah, fair enough. I, I, It's just, don't get me wrong. I would love to go out and buy a Juan Soto jersey with the Blue Jays on the front of it. I'm just, I'm cautious to see what the asking price is. That's, I think, the best way to put it. I'm cautious as to what the Nationals would want. Maybe you could use the fact that Soto has basically rejected that offer and the whole all star thing where they weren't going to send him first class, I think, as a bit of leverage saying, we're not going to give you as much because we know you're kind of desperate although the nationals could easily say that well sorry desperate in the sense that what? like you know that it's either you trade him or you lose him for nothing but in the same sense the nationals could also say we have a dozen other teams that are offering us more than you but basically what i'm getting at is i would love to see juan soto on this team as long as he stays here long term because if you're going to go up and go out and get give away seven players and prospects combined he better be here for a little bit I'm not I'm you don't get Juan Soto as a rental player unless he's 35 and you just need a little bit of extra veteran presence but I wouldn't mind seeing him here I'm just very nervous to hear what the asking price is because if it's Moreno an outfielder Bichette maybe I know you threw in his name plus prospects then it's like okay well at, at that point that's maybe more of a loss than it is a gain, even though he is that good. It's just, there's only so much that you can give up before it's not really an improvement. But if it is what you said, something like that, where Moreno, you throw in some type of on the cusp of major league ready type of player, plus a major league player and prospects, maybe three or four max, then I say entertain it. But if it's more than that, then you're getting into the point where it's like, okay, let's not repeat 2015 and even though that was a great year, you don't want to deplete the farm system and and have that just be maybe a... Even though it was good, you don't want to necessarily have too much of a trade and sacrifice what potentially could be your future.
0: You're talking yourself in circles, man. Yeah, I,
2: I know I am. Basically, I want to see Soto, but I don't know if I would take a massive, massive asking price.
0: You are trying so hard. <laughs> I would repeat <laughs> 2015 in a heartbeat. That's the best chance the Blue Jays have had to win the World Series in the last however long it's been since 1993. I'd repeat that
1: in a heartbeat. Screw the farm system. Let's go for it. The banners fly forever. Prospects are cool, yes. But, like, Jacob, it's Juan Soto. And when you think about it, is he really a rental if you have him for two years? That is the window the Jays are in. We know that the window, obviously is supposed to be long-term, but in terms of, I guess, just everyone being signed or locked up long-term, like, just th- no matter, through the roster, you have two years of control with Juan Soto. With the core that you have right now, you go for it. It's Juan Soto. I don't know what the, um, exactly, and plus contract extent, exactly, yes. You have control for two years. It is not a rental, I just, I, we need you to open up a little bit more to it. He's your fantasy player. And I just don't understand what the issue you have is with Juan Soto.
2: No, I'm open to it. I just don't want to see you like, here's the thing. You guys have both mentioned that the the prospect situation, and I can't remember where I saw this, but it was something like 90% of prospects, even if they're in the first round, don't make it past X number of years in the majors. Basically to say that just calling someone a first rounder doesn't really mean anything. That it, it could mean something. It could not. But I don't want to... I, I, I'm just nervous to see this team go out and trade far too much for somebody. Like, don't buy into the hype and say it's Juan Soto. Let's give away everything that we own in order to get him. Because without at least considering or at least having a plan to have him beyond those two years. Because... I I just I don't want to see this team give up everything at the start of their competitive window, and then two or three years down the line, when realistically they could still be in that competitive window and should be. You you don't have everything that you're that you once had just because you gave up so much for them.
0: It's go time, go win the World Series, trade for one soda.
1: It's it's purely entertainment watching you trying to backtrack on this one or just kind of flip flop back and forth. But it, he helps you. W- be in a better position to achieve the goal of winning a World Series. You have to be open to it. It is Juan Soto. I just, again, I don't, I don't. we'll see what happens over the next week. We'll probably record one more time before the trade deadline, of course. So maybe throughout this week, is because Mark, you were talking about it, the market really hasn't even, I guess, heated up yet. But Juan Soto's name has definitely been thrown around another name. Now, of course, now I'm just opening up a whole can of worms. But another name that is now starting to also float In I guess just with rumors, because contract also in the next couple years, I believe he is up a year before Soto. So that is more of a rental, if you want to call it that. And that is Shohei Otani. That is another name. I'm not saying the Jays are interested, but all I'm saying is that all these big guys, in terms of these big showcase players, are being shopped around Major League Baseball, and you have a window to win a World Series. You go out and you do it. Okay, you do it, especially for Juan Soto. Juan Soto fits the need here, obviously, really well. Left-handed at bat. Mark, you said it. He can play in the outfield. You get two years of Juan Soto and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Like, that is ridiculous. Please warm up to the idea, Jacob.
2: I never said I was not warmed up to it. I just don't want to see this team doesn't sound like def- it. <laughs> no, no. I am... If the asking price is right and the Blue Jays can make it work, absolutely. But don't stretch yourself thin and don't go a little bit over just to get him, and people might disagree, they might say, too bad, it's Juan Soto, of course you're going to give a little bit more, but I don't know, if you can have him for more than two years, anything's off the table, or on the table for for a trade for him, but if it's only those two seasons, I'm very, i, I go into that, that trade much more cautiously, but as for Shohei Otani, I'm not even going to open that can of worms, he's not a Blue Jay, no matter what, as much as it would have been cool to see, or would be cool to see, that is not happening, <laughs>
0: Yeah, I don't think we have time on today's podcast to talk about Shohei Otani. I, realistically, one word on him, I really don't see the Angels trading him. Like, regardless, I don't see him moving anywhere. But anyways, that's a whole other can of worms. The other thing to mention and get in on this podcast before we wrap it up and run out of time is the report from Shai Davidi that the Blue Jays are apparently considering making a bid to host the 2027 all-star game. We know that Major League Baseball has already awarded hosting responsibilities in 2023 to the Seattle Mariners, and I think Philadelphia has 2025. I think it's 2024 and 2026 that aren't awarded yet. I don't know. The whole system's kind of messed up. Major League Baseball... Going away from what it used to do, kind of going on a year-to-year basis, and now they're planning further far ahead. The Blue Jays would do it in line with their stadium renovations at the Rogers Center to kind of showcase what they've done and the venue of the Rogers Center for baseball. And in turn, through this report, we've learned a little bit more about what the renovations may hold. Namely, apparently the Blue Jays are considering uh, making an asymmetrical outfield and moving, elevating the bullpens, changing the outfield dimensions um, in addition to broader lower bowl seating renovations that we have heard about previously. Lots of interesting stuff going on here. I don't know if you guys have a bucket list of things you want to see out of these. I do really like the idea of having an asymmetrical outfield wall. I think it adds a lot of charm. I think you have the opportunity to add Hopefully without being gimmicky, add cool stuff that gives the Rogers Center and certainly the field a little bit more character. So I'd love to see it. I'm all for it. Go for it. And I have full faith in Mark Shapiro and everything that this organization has done over the years in terms of building physical manifestations of the Blue Jays. We talked about the player development complex. Phenomenal job with that. And already the renovations of the Rogers Center that have been done. Um, I'm all for it. Go for it. I'm excited to see what it looks like, and sure, if you want to host the All-Star game, that would be a lot of fun. I'm sure all three of us would enjoy going to the Home Run Derby and watching Pete Alonso win his 10th in a row or something like that, even though rest in peace to the legend Julio Rodriguez (laughs) is now the reigning Home Run Champion. Anyways, that's my thoughts. What do you guys think about this news?
2: See, first of all, I would love to see an All-Star game here. I think that would be like the first one in Toronto since the Raptors held it in 2016, I think it was. So that would be awesome and it like it would be a great thing obviously. The one thing that I'm interested to see how it would be handled is th- the Rogers Centre is very unique in terms of its actual structure in the outfield cuz there's a hotel there. It's not like you can just break like man- like destroy half of the wall, move it back and change the outfield. So you are limited to necessarily how you can modify the outfield at the end of the day, I don't, to be honest, this stuff is just, like, I don't overly care about it that much, like, I like the Rogers center the way it is, I think, the one thing that I do like about a, a symmetrical outfield is the seating isn't necessarily as awkwardly placed, like, I know if you go to Fenway, I think it's the right field near the pesky pole, it, down the baseline, it's straight, but then it, like, bends outward so if you're sitting maybe 15 rows back of the pesky pole where i was actually like a long long time ago i had to almost do like a 180 to actually see the outfield or see from the outfield see the uh see home plate so i'm not saying that the blue jays would do that but i just i don't want to see them necessarily change too much just for the sake of changing it but something like elevating the bullpen i think that would be definitely cool like maybe you have I think it's Kansas City Kauffman Stadium, where they have one outfield, and then or, or in the outfield they have the bullpen. Then up, slightly elevated, it's the next bullpen, something like that. Like that would be. Cool. I don't
0: know. I don't know about Kansas City, but I know um, Progressive Field in Cleveland. They have the kind of stacked bullpen. Oh,
2: okay, you know what? I think that's what I was thinking. Yeah. So, I think it was that one actually. Yeah. So it's it is. I, I do like that. Something like that, and I, that would be something that it would be really cool to add. It's not so secluded although I'm sure that the last thing the two teams want to do is interact with each other in the middle of the game but something like that would be cool especially if you can see the players warming up from the actual field that would be you know quite cool but in terms of actual renovations I'll just like whatever Mark Shapiro, Russ Atkins, whatever they want to do I'll just you know I do trust them and most of these things are like to me, at least, they're minor. I just want to see a good game. I want to. I like the atmosphere of the Rogers Center, and who knows? Maybe this would be a cool way to show off what you have, and instead of tearing down the Rogers Center, you just you make it down, to make it as cool as you possibly can, and host that All Star game.
1: Yeah, I'm open to any sort of change that they do at Rogers Center. Uh, we know it's kind of going to be staggered, I guess, throughout the next couple of years before. I believe not this winter, the winter following is going to be uh, just, I guess, the winter where they do most most renovations. So I believe just most work will be done in two years from now besides of next year. But anyways, by the end of the renovations, it likely will be uh, 2027 when the Jays could possibly host the All-Star Game. Mark, you were right. They do it very weird now. So there's a host for 2023 in Seattle, but there's no host for 2024 and 2025 Philadelphia is hosting 2026. So I don't know why 2026 and not 2024. Don't ask me. But uh, just reading now too. the only team, I guess, not to host the All-Star game, or I should say MLB City is Tampa Bay for obvious reasons, so that they will now be the only team or they are the only team, I should say, or city who hasn't hosted the All-Star game. They're really fun. It's been years since, obviously, there's been one at uh, Rogers Center. And the Home Run Derby at Rogers Center would be really cool to go to go to see. That is something on my bucket list to watch a Home Run Derby in person because I just find it very entertaining. I know you were, Mark, you were the one that loves it the most out of all three of us. And it was a really entertaining one this year, I thought, with Julio Rodriguez kind of coming out of nowhere and upsetting Pete Alonso along the way. And, of course, Jacobs, favorite player Juan Soto, winning the Home Run Derby, though. That was really interesting to see as well. So you have but that. But Jacob lost. That's Jacob's true. Jacob's looking like Pete Alonso lost. That's true. Jacob, you do yeah, look like Pete Alonso. It wasn't Pete my Alonso. best day. It wasn't your best day. But anyways. <laughs> Bad sleep um, the night before. <laughs> it's on the bucket list to go see an All-Star game. It's always cool. I mean, being the host venue for, I guess, just everyone to kind of gather for a couple of days, it'd be really cool to go see. So I know it's a long time away, but, you know, it, it'll be fine to see at the end of the renovations that it'll kind of be like a new look like Roger Center. While you keep the distinctive, I just obviously you're at the same location. You still have the roof. But there will be major changes coming towards the lower bowl, towards the field. You were talking about the outfield being asymmetrical. I'm all for it. It is a beautiful ballpark to some people. Some people don't like it. It's always a cool view with the CN Tower in the background when the roof's open. But in terms of the actual facility, we know that it's aging. And we know that it is likely in need of, of some major renovation due to the fact that we are Probably at least a decade away from even considering, uh, or even being close to getting a new stadium in general. So it's something if it's something to be done to extend the life of Rogers Center for, you know, a long term over the next decade again. Then it's something that they got to do, and it's something that I'm sure they've already kind of begun planning out in terms of how the field's going to look, and it's going to be a really different look, and I think it's going to be a good look at the end of the day as well, because just knowing the history of how the Jays have renovated things, we know that the facility they have down in Dunedin that they've established over the last couple years, that's amazing in terms of the fields they have and how big it is compared to what they did have. I really am excited to see how creative they get with what they're planning at Rogers Center alone. All right, two
0: games against the St. Louis Cardinals who are not the Cardinals that you know and love. They are the Cardinals minus Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado, both of whom are, I think it's fair to say, probably t- top 10, top 20 players in Major League Baseball. And the Blue Jays are lucky enough to avoid them because they are unvaccinated and can't cav- travel into Canada. So knowing that, keeping that in mind, two games against the St. Louis Cardinals series predictions, I can. I, I guess I can go first. Um Blue Jays sweep. Keep the good times going. Win eight in a row for Toronto. They win both the games.
2: I will second that. We're getting those brooms out. Kevin Gosman, Jose Brios are, as of Sportsnet, that's who's scheduled to start. But when you're missing those two top players, like who was it? I think it was Goldschmidt that hit the walk-off Grand Slam. Not happening this time. Blue Jays, I think, are in a very, very good spot to, to take two of two here.
1: I think we will split Us three, in terms of the um, prediction. I will say sweep as well. Uh, Jose Barrios has been amazing at home this season, despite his rocky season in general. I believe an ERA at home of 3.33, compared to an ERA of 7.15 on the road. He loves pitching at Rogers Centre, which is why, again, he was pushed back to the state tomorrow. You have Kevin Goswin on Wednesday. Times are good right now. The team's rolling. You take two from the Cardinals before you host the Tigers next weekend. Um, This is a good opportunity for them to continue to make ground in the wild card race.
0: All right, let's keep the good times going. We know how fast it can change, but let's hope the Blue Jays keep this going, add some reinforcements by the next time we talk. We will be talking, uh, looking at the game times, probably, I don't know if it will be Wednesday night or Thursday morning, but... Regardless, we'll be getting another podcast out there, hopefully getting back to our more regular schedule after the All-Star break. Um, Okay, thanks to everyone who listened to this podcast. As always, you can check us out on social media. That's at Section138Pod. That's on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can also support us by leaving a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, Two against the St. Louis Cardinals should be fun. We'll catch you next time.